Hello everyone and welcome to a very special episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast. Like always, I got my guests, but first I'm your host, Joel Jacob, and you can follow me on Twitter at JoelKJacob underscore. And with me today, first we got Miami Clutch. Say what's up to the people, Clutch. What up, what up, what up, guys? Miami Clutch P on Twitter. You can catch me there with all my usual shenanigans. And then following him, we have our female correspondent, Angelina Martel. Say what's up to the people, Angelina. Yo, what's going on, Heat versus the World? It's Angelina Martel. You can follow me on Twitter at Angie Martel with two E's. Anything Heat, anything Dolphins, you got me. I'm there. And then following her, we have a very special guest. I'm so happy he could join us today. You guys probably know him. He's a 20-time Emmy Award winner. You can catch him working at Fox Sports Sun as the Miami Heat's TV host and courtside reporter. And you can also catch him working at Sirius XM Radio. You can see, you can follow him everywhere. He might not play for them, but he is indeed a Miami Heat legend. Say hello to the Heat vs. the World audience, Mr. Jason Jackson. Well, look at you. Look at you, and look at you putting that sauce on me. Check the chat. We got an update for you. We'll let you fix that a little later. With that being said, <laughs> it is an absolute pleasure. Now, Joel, you have to tell on yourself, all right, and, and let people know how we've come to this moment. <laughs> all right, so... Not too long ago, um, I, I wanted to test my luck with Mr. Jason Jackson. So during one of the games, I reached out to him on one of his posts and I asked, you know, um, Mr. Jason Jackson, which, what do I have to do to get you on an episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast? I never expected... How many times? How many times? No, no. <laughs> How many times, Joel? You were, you were in it. For a whole night. <laughs> For a whole night, you were on it. And you almost dared me. You got other people on me. Angelino, Clutch, were you all in part of, in part of this, this arm twister? I am not me. a part of this. I, have, I had no idea. Jax. Honestly, I had no clue. Jax, I'll be honest. I was one of them. I remember sending you an emoji saying to do it, and you asked me what those flames were. I remember that so clearly. <laughs> what are those flames about? So let me, let me give people a backdrop. First of all, guys, thank you for being so nice. Thank um, you for coming I, on. We're so oh, grateful to have Angelina, you. Angelina, stop. I'm trying to tell you. I'm <laughs> you. I'm you all. This is, this is, I'm so blessed to be in this position. And there are times I have to remind myself uh, that any complaint, any fatigue, any uh, abnormality to what we're experiencing right now, I need to shut the bleep up because I know full well what it means to love your teams, to need your teams, uh, to set your day's calendars around your team's schedules and events. I'm, I am that person that does that. Um, obviously, I'm contractually obligated to do that for the Miami Heat, but for my alma mater, Bowling Green State University, don't let them get a national TV game. I'm changing my life around for that. Um, I watch 100 Cincinnati Reds games without question. I have endured uh, um, 48 years of nothingness as a Browns fan. So please understand that being a fan 
of a team is it, it, it's it, it's it's the retail, right? It's the opportunity to go to a game. It's do you get blessed to become a season ticket holder? Uh, do I get league pass because I moved out of the market? Um, do I make sure that I buy everything Crazy Andy puts on television for Eric and I uh, to sell? It, it's it's all of this stuff, right? It, it was doing that dance, even though we weren't supposed to be in the streets in the middle of a pandemic because our team made it to the finals. All that stuff over these 17 seasons that I've been able to be a part of, um, it, it, it's there are times in which I'm so humbled by the fact that I'm doing exactly what I set out to do uh, when I was 16 years old. And I'm in paradise doing it. Everyone wants to be here doing what we do. And, and that's not an indictment on the places they live. It's just not Miami. It's just not for the Arisons. It's not with Pat Riley and Eric Spolstra. So it's not the same. And I and I know it full well. I didn't mean to gerrymander. I mean, uh, uh, filibuster the whole thing right there. But I, I wanted to make sure you all knew that it's far more my pleasure to be with you than than the other way around. No, it's fine, you know. And I mean, because the idea that if you were to tell me that I would have the opportunity to have you on this show, you know, like, I would have never believed believed anyone. So, you know, I know you said it's actually your privilege but um, truth is, it's really our privilege to have you on here. So like I said, thank you so much for having this opportunity to come in here and talk about basketball with us. We've come up with a new privilege, guys. <laughs> it's heat privilege. We've got heat privilege. We all got it. It's all good. That's right. So anyways, so when before we, because I did have everyone ask you some questions, but before we get into mm -hmm. that, let's first you know, just talk about what needs to be talked about, and then we go into the fun stuff. Let's talk about last night's game. Um, to all those who don't know, yesterday, um, unfortunately, the Heat did end up losing to the Wizards, one hundred three to one hundred. Um, it was still a fun game to watch. Um, so I want to ask you guys, and we'll start off with you, um, Clutch, and then Angelina, and then you two, Jax. Um, how do you guys feel about last night's game? Right. So personally, last night's game, there was a lot of good to take away from it, especially early on. Like you saw in the second quarter, you had Tyler Hero catching absolute fire, scored I don't know how many points in that quarter, and, and, and ended it just playing so, so well. You have a lot of positives to take away. You got Precious Achua just being an absolute dominant force on on rebounding and playing defense. He's clearly made an imprint on this team early on. So I, I want to touch on all of those positive things from last night's game, other than we we all know the the three-point loss early in the – I mean, the three-point loss in the fourth quarter. Uh, so I thought Jimmy Butler was Jimmy Butler. He got aggressive going to the, to the free throw line, went to the free throw line 11 times, went nine for 11. It was great. Bam Adebayo, he let the defense, as he let the offense come to him. He played really well. And the team really did well until around the time the third quarter came along and, and everything just kind of went against the Heat. And now I'm guessing it's, it's the Heat's job to figure out 
how to stay strong all 48 minutes of the game. Mm-hmm. Angelina, you? Yeah, my takes are pretty similar to Clutch's. Like, you know, you had a lot of positive things to take out from that game. We were 65, no, 61 to 51, I'm pretty sure, by the half. And that's already a great start for the Heat, playing the Wizards. You know, the Heat are a very dominant team with all of our players. You know, Butler, Adebayo, Hero, Robinson, Achua. The list goes on, you know. The Heat have a very strong lineup of players, a very dominant lineup of players, so... Like Clutch said, there was a lot of positive things to take from that game. Hero absolutely went off that game. He had 20 points, two rebounds. Although he had no assists, it was a very great game for him. He went 8 for 15 for field goals, which is not bad at all whatsoever. And yeah, there was a lot of positive things. Butler scored 19. Um, Adebayo scored 17. So yeah, there was a lot of positive things to take from that game. And just, we got to push ourselves harder next time when we play them tomorrow. We play the Wizards again tomorrow. And yeah, we just got to try our hardest to try to overcome them and beat them this time. That's, I noticed that a lot with the Heat. Like, if we tend to play the same team twice in a row, we we lose one and we win the next one. That's what I tend to notice about them. And surely that does not go unnoticed. And I have a lot of hope and faith for our team. Mm -hmm. What about you, Mr. Jackson? I'll tell you what, first of all, I, I love that you all have purchased all the silver in the universe and have created silver lining in, in what is a very challenging time for the organization for, uh, for Heat Nation overall. Um, what, what I've noticed overall, and I'll get to your specific question, I promise, um, is that because this team has had to endure protocols connected to health and safety, which are important, I'm not minimizing it. It's just a reality. Uh, plus injuries, uh, as we haven't seen Harkless and Bradley on the floor. We know that Myers is now gone for the duration of the season after surgery, and we wish him well in the healing process on that left shoulder. Jimmy missed some time, even outside of protocol, due to injury, as did Tyler and Gorin. I mean, like it just goes on and on and on, and so... You know, for just the fifth time this season, last night, uh, the intended group, for the most part, because you still got those names like Bradley and Harkless, and we're not seeing K Nunn get into the rotation, just not the consistency you would want. And I think that's what you start to see when you see a 65 point first half and then 17 points in the third quarter. Mm -hmm. Was it 35 points in all in, in the second half? The defense has got to get better. We're not seeing Miami Heat defense. And and the test that they're going to get with Washington plus Westbrook tomorrow night as we tape this uh, is, is going to be far more than what they experienced on Wednesday night. Um, I'm seeing a lot of balls, guys, that are rimming out. I know that's frustrating because that means it's on point. It's there. And as you start going through these three-point, two-point, four-point losses, you realize it's this little stuff. you got to make free throws. You can't turn over the ball. You, you can't have mental lapses. All the stuff that it seemed like triggered for Miami, particularly in the season, and then once the team found its stride, well, it found its stride immediately in the postseason, uh, but in the postseason after the restart, all felt automatic. Those things have been missing. And I think... 
we're so blessed to have Coach Spolster in this space because if it was if it was me, I probably would have lost my mind a few times. Um, if you all are being uh, your authentic selves, you're you're a little more you all channel a little inner Spo more than anybody else. In that he made it clear last night. Listen, a bunch of us have been through the darkness before, and we know that you can turn it around. So you stay in the moment, you do the work, you look at the schedule. Who's next? And that doesn't mean that you're not locked in trying to correct overriding problems. It means you don't let those problems get you so far down that you don't give yourself hope to believe that there's a better day and a better way ahead. Mm-hmm. Right. No, that's the thing, you know. You know, for any fan, you know, it's always never easy to watch your team lose. But, I mean, you just keep having faith in them. And while it is a challenging time right now for the Heat, I think we can all agree that we have hopes for this team that they can get better. And I believe they can. You know, I got faith in everyone in this team. You know, I love our team. You know, and I got faith in our young core. Everyone, you know, Jimmy, Bam, Goran, Tyler, Duncan Robinson. You know, I can go for days talking about how much I love each and every one of our players. You know, so, and I, I know I hopefully speak for all of He Nation when I say that we just got to keep, keep just being strong and just, you know, see what happens in that following game, especially tomorrow as we play the Wizards. So, anyways. Absolutely. So, oh. with that being said, you know, since we finally addressed that, you know, I now want to get into some fan questions for you, Mr. Jackson. So, without further ado, let's look into some. So, one question they want to ask you from Heat Nation. Um, have you ever had any funny stories or moments with a Heat player? And this could be some stuff that us as, us as fans have seen on the camera or stuff that's happened off camera as well. Well, obviously during the big three years. I mean, come on. <laughs> with Dwayne Wade, LeBron James, Chris Bosh, and so many others, uh, it, it it was endless. It was almost every night from Dwayne doing cartwheels in the middle of interviews. And that was the thing. There were a lot of post-game walk-off interviews because there were victories mm-hmm. damn near every night, right? Um, I remember one night there was a wheelbarrow. I'm interviewing Chris Bosh, and Dwayne Wade and LeBron James create a human wheelbarrow in the midst of it. I mean... <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, right, they, listen, there there have been some phenomenal moments. Yeah, I mean, do you guys remember those post game interviews in the studio with with Chris Birdman Anderson? Oh my god! I mean, <laughs> listen, let's pull the curtain back a little bit. It was a little bit of an act, but it wasn't like an act that we practiced. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like it was always just him trying to make me be uncomfortable. And I don't know if there's a more comfortable person in their skin, so I'm not going to be – you're not going to throw me. I'm just going to enjoy it. I'm just going to enjoy it. <laughs> and then uh, I'm trying to think of something back in the early days. Um, Shaquille was always down for some craziness. Uh, but I was just coming into this job the year Shaquille was traded for. That was my first year, 0405. Mm-hmm. And so I might have been a little too serious those four years. Because I was just so focused on being great for the home viewer that I just I did, probably didn't get caught up enough in the shenanigans, and so I was a little more um, comfortable to to sh- 
show the the home audience my personality and um, ability to have fun and, and have some joy radiate all the time, um, probably after about five or six years in. So um, there were some opportunities, and Shaquille was always messing with me, but uh, but nothing to the level that we had during the, that four year run. That was just absolutely something else. Mm-hmm. Right. And then, so, and also to follow up with that, another question is, and I know this might be hard to choose, so if you want, you could, like, give a list. Like, who, by far, of all the players who's played for the Heat in your career, which one would you love to do another interview again, whether if it's a player on this team or on one of the past teams? Knowing full well that that puts me in a horrible position. Joel, I, I will still, I'll still answer it. Um, we love all Heat players yesterday, today, and tomorrow equally, but there's just something special about Chris Bosh. <laughs> Chris, Chris always provided me with a authentic, thoughtful engaged response and and that's not to say everybody didn't but sometimes there's just kind of this daily talk that occurs Mm -hmm. and what i mean by that is is that everybody's kind of into the scattering report and um they've heard spo give them his thoughts and those things can get parroted back out into the microphones uh, when those of us that are tasked with uh, q a are in position um, and that's not to say that that Chris didn't give you any of that. It's just there's just something extra about his um, kind of his lean in and his engagement uh, when 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 you sat him down for a half hour interview or are you just interviewing him for standard pregame stuff. And for somebody that does what I do, um, it, it's invaluable. So I think CB's at the top of that list. Right. No, I know, because one of my favorite moments, because I know you brought up the Big Three era. You know, one thing I think we all loved about Chris, about the post-game shows, would be whenever he would come on and then he would do the video bombing and everything. Like, I don't think mm-hmm. there's any player that could really match the type of comedy that Chris Bosh brought to those post-game interviews. So, anyway. It's just special, man. He, he's just so comfortable in his skin. You know, he's so um, aware of funny and timing and and understands full well, man, we work in a toy store. <laughs> so what, what are we going to get upset about? I mean, losing is super frustrating. Right. Um, and winning is exhilarating. So when you win, let all the joy reign. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Chris Bosch, like to me, I, he... Every player from that era had something to them, and they were awesome. But to me, Chris Bosch was – he brought life to the team outside of the whole serious basketball stuff. He was the life, the, the fun energy. To me, it was awesome seeing him when he dunked the ball, let out his, like, his vintage scream. So oh. he was awesome to watch. <laughs> One of the best clutch was – I don't know if you guys will remember this. It was a late night. In the middle of a season, I can't even tell you what year, uh, but we were in Portland, and LeBron was out, and Chris had to hit some big shots 
to get the team back in the game, and then he hit another one to win the game. And I mean top-notch roar after the score stuff out of Bosch. And then Dwayne and LeBron put together the old, now you all are too young for this, but ask some old folks that you know about the old bit that uh, James Brown used to do uh, in the middle of a concert, it's like he just he gave you so much energy. He gave you so much stuff that he would he was just he couldn't go on. He couldn't go on, and his crew would come out and put a cape on him, and then he would bust <laughs> out the cape and do another ninety minutes of the show, you know. And so they did that antic uh, with uh, with LeBron and Dwayne put the cape on uh, on Chris by taking his warm up and trying to put it over his shoulders. And Chris starts doing the little James Brown, little like I'm walking off stage, I can't take it, and then busts out, and 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 we get into our post game interview. It was a really, really cool moment. Right. And then you know another question that a lot of Heat Nation wants to know is, you know what, like aside from like broadcasting, you know this could be straight up anything that you've witnessed being at American Airlines Arena for a Heat mm-hmm. game. You know, what's your favorite moment simply being at one of the Heat games? <laughs> um, I, I'm figuring out now that I've been around too long. There's too many. There's <laughs> too many. Uh, I'll give you. Can I give you a top three at least? Oh, sure. Go ahead. All right. Let's go with uh, number three would be anytime anyone has made a shot to win money or a car or any of that. I've been around for so many of those. Um, the dude who hit one when LeBron is around for 75000 <laughs> top of the list. LeBron's in the middle of a timeout huddle getting information on what's going to be the next play. And it wasn't a critical part of the game, but it was a, it was a timeout, maybe third quarter. And LeBron goes out and tackles the dude because it was, a, it was a, a, a promotion tied into him and in an in a endorsement he had with Carmax at the time. So Carmax, the, the lip balm joint. And so... <laughs> It, that was phenomenal. But anytime that happened, that's great. Uh, number two would have been um, what you all probably have seen floating around the infamous baby race. Absolute oh. joy. <laughs> Hashtag absolute joy. That just that's a gift that just keeps on giving. No, no, no offense intended, Angelina. That's definitely a uh, a boys' club scenario there. None taken, sir. None taken. Thank you, madam. Thank you, madam. <laughs> you understand. You hashtag absolute joy. You, you absolutely. Understand. And then uh, number one would be all all three championship celebrations. I mean, oh. there's just nothing like a parade, young people. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, uh, the first one was the hottest day. I thought we were having a parade and on, on the streets of hell. It was so hot. <laughs> Oh my God. It was 99 degrees that day in the summer of 06. 99% humidity. People are falling out. Shaquille probably saved like five lives with a super soaker. <laughs> just hit people right in the throat with a little water. They were good. Um, and then obviously the other two celebrations after we learned how to do it, uh, bringing that stuff inside after the parade, man, we put on some rock concerts. So. Those are some big moments, and the honorable mention I'll give to the flashback. When I got to host um, the retirement of Dwayne's um, jersey, that first of three nights, mm-hmm. holy hell. Like, it was like a dream come true. It was like I was hosting an awards show. Like, I was a late-night um, television show host, and it was, it was wonderful. It was the first time in a long time that I was afraid before I went on. Not nervous not excited, <laughs> afraid. 
I'm like, yo, if I bleep this up, man, ugh. <laughs> so <laughs> thank God my little montage off the top was funny enough. And my timing was okay. My silly costume changes caught people <laughs> off guard. And it was just a beautiful night, man. And you know what the key component on that night was? Mm-hmm. Getting out of the way. I, I I did a really decent job, I thought, of getting you from point to point. That's my job, right? Like, I'm a carnival barker. I tell you when to come into the circus. I tell you when to get out of the tent. I tell you when the circus is coming back. That's my job. Mm-hmm. So I'm well suited for that type of scenario, but he's the greatest player in the history of the organization. And he wanted a, a unique experience, and I got the wonderful honor of leading that, and uh, I'll never forget it. Right. And then Very I know awesome. Cl- Clutch, Angelina, do you guys have any questions you'd like to ask Jax? Right. I, I actually had a- have. Oh, oh no, ahead. Clutch, you can go first. You can go first. You all are all too right. nice to each other. I love this. <laughs> right. I- I'll go ahead. Staying with being part of this Heat organization, you know, you yourself, Jax, being a a 23-time Emmy Award winner, you've probably been around so many great broadcasters. Way to read the chat, Clutch. Love you, baby. (laughs) I was going to read that up very soon. You've been around so many great broadcasters as well. I just want to know, what's it like having worked with some great broadcasters that are still there today? Eric Reed, John Mm -hmm. Crotty, Will Manso, Tony Fiorentino. What's that been like? It's like a brotherhood. Sometimes we're around each other more than we're around our family. And that, that really think about that. You know, my joke is I'm gone half the time, half the time. But literally a fourth of the year, we're not physically here. Really, it's a third. It's even worse when you think about it because annually, this is what I check is, is, is you know, my, my Marriott rewards tells me how many nights I've been on the road. And on, in a regular, regular season, not this irregular space we're in, it's 100 room nights uh, over an 82-game season, 41 road games uh, in all these cities across America. And it's a blessing, quite honestly. I don't, I don't push back on the travel get to travel this nation sometimes outside of the nation to see family and friends and, and cover these games on the ground. It's, it's so good. It's so good. Just still being at the games, it keeps you young and keeps you interested. Every night's different. And that's, what's been the challenge about not traveling um, since March, um, particularly through a finals run is that you're not there. You don't feel it in your, in your toes. Like it, there's something about stepping on that wood you know, in my job, I get, you know, to really tell stories right there on the court. And it's um, it's it's unique. It's just super unique, and I love it. And being with Reed, who has been with this organization since the beginning, has been a treat. Uh, what, it, what it looks like to be so dedicated and prepared and loyal uh, is embodied by Eric Reed. Um, John Crotty, who is basically in his third career, you know, he was a professional basketball player, a super successful commercial real estate broker, and 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 now um, the lead analyst for one of the top teams in the world, not just in the NBA and sports. What a wonderful thing that is! And then obviously uh, Tony um, being in that seat for so long, um, being a part of the organization for so long, speaks to what he means to the Harrison family to the Rileys and, and all of Heat Nation, uh, even in his 
uh, retirement from television, he is, you know, still teaching basketball through the Heat's uh, junior NBA program and summer camps. And then bringing Ron in, who's been with us, Coach Rothstein, the original head coach of the Miami Heat, with us now for six and a half seasons. Uh, invaluable lessons on basketball that we get there, uh, which is very similar to Ruth Riley Hunter, um, who is one of the most decorated basketball players ever. Not just females, just period. I mean, national championship, two WNBA championships, an Olympic gold medal, a Women's Basketball Hall of Fame. Come on, man. I mean, that's off the charts. And the way that she embraces the new way we look at this game through analytics, along with the old school that she knows, it's 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 wonderful. And, and I don't want to forget our radio folks, um, Joe Pujala and Jose Pineda, Mike Inglis, as well as uh, Tommy Tig and uh, Jonathan Zaslow. And um, it's just such a big family. I mean, Kristen Hewitt, Will Mint, so it's been so strange because we're not all together all the time, <laughs> clutch. But it's uh, it's a beautiful it's a beautiful band. That's what we call it. One band, one sound. It's a line that we stole from um, the movie Drumline. But there's something about having all of those pieces, all those unique personalities, all those different perspectives, different level of basketball philosophy all coming together to provide you Miami Heat basketball on Fox Sports Sun and on the Miami Heat radio networks. Right, because it, it looks like you guys are having a bunch of fun. Like It looks like you guys are a group of people who genuinely like working with each other. The it's other hard day, to remember- be upset when you're covering basketball at the highest level for a living. Right. The other right. day, for example, I remember seeing you in the in, at halftime with Coach Rothstein dancing, and it was mm-hmm. great. It was, it was it's just awesome seeing you guys how you guys work together work well off each other so it's, it's awesome to me that's why i was so interested in this great question brother all right i'm gonna ask my question if you don't mind so me personally i really want to get into the sports broadcasting field and this is all like with the podcast with joel and just everything's happened so fast for me and it's really a um, it's a blessing really i'm so grateful to be in this position right now but my question is for do you for you do you have any advice or tips for people such as myself who want to go into the journalism slash broadcasting field and have a successful career like yourself well you're doing it this is the beginning this is the beginning just doing it just repetition of preparation engagement insight analysis q a uh, Angelina, I'm not a naturally inquisitive person, so I, I have to work really hard on processing uh, query. Um, my questions, I, I, I think about them. I listen to my other broadcasters and just get a good feel for where um, the real story is. And it, 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 it's, it, those things can become second nature, but if you don't have a particular gift uh, for seeing where all the headlines are, it's important that you figure out a way. Um, for s- people that are really like, don't even have this platform, I want to just say a word about what it really takes. The level of engagement that you have to have to adequately and competently cover something is a personal life sacrifice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have to show up all the time, not when it's 
convenient, not when it works with your schedule, not because you're getting paid, like to become an authority on, uh, as you mentioned, the Dolphins and Miami Heat. That means you're reading everything. Yeah. Every beat reporter, every national reporter, every show segment from Sports Center or NFL Network or NBA TV. Like it just has to slather. You're clicking on if you have um, serious each of those networks that focus simply on that game. You can't read enough. And now, listen, you all are so blessed. All this stuff is in your in your in your in the palm of your hand with these phones. Um, then back in the day, boy, we used to have like nine magazine subscriptions. It was crazy. <laughs> Stuff coming to the house and just burying yourself in so much information. For me, it was really critical. I don't know if you're still in school, but it, it, for those young people that want to be presenters in this business, um, you will at one point or another have to be the person who either writes or formulates what's going to come out of your mouth. And if you don't have a pure ability, all right, I'm talking about a full year, a couple semesters of learning how to write uh, through synthesis, okay? And I'll tell you the difference between synthesis and summary is that summary is you take one thing and you break it down. I read an article, it's 10 pages. I got about a minute and a half to give you some information. So I got about a half of one, eight and a half by 11 sheet of paper to get my thoughts down and then get them conveyed. It's pretty much how that works out. Mm-hmm. Now imagine doing that 10 times over, 20 times over, 50 times over in preparation for a single game. That's synthesis. So you learn how to summarize and then understanding full well the multitude of things that you're trying to summarize and bringing them together is the synthesis factor. And I was so very fortunate at Bowling Green State University um, I did not test out a freshman composition, and I was pissed. I'm like, I, I have a, I'm an authority on this language. I am going to be a, a, a professional broadcaster. What in the hell did I not do on my entrance essay that you all didn't love? And I need to keep my mouth shut. It was such a wonderful 15 weeks of understanding really breaking down things I already knew, you know, main ideas, supporting ideas, closing thoughts. But, like, you can't get enough repetition, Angelina, in that space. And so to this day, I find myself uh, making sure that I stay sharp um, because it's just, it's not taught the same way anymore. The construction of sentences and thoughts and and um, the collective presentation of those ideas. So you can't do that enough. Mm-hmm. All right. I think I just gave you a master's class for free. Right? I think you did too. I think you did. <laughs> I appreciate it, though. Thank you for all of that. That was that was. It's a little heavy, I know, Angelique, because that's not the fun part. But when you're at when you're experiencing the fun part, and you have the tools, uh, that's when it becomes mystical and magical. All right. Like these podcasts are so much fun. Like it gives me a lot of practice because I'm I'm at my age, I feel like starting young, it's a great start. And this all, like I said, it all happened so fast. Like I had no intentions of being on a podcast with Jason Jackson. Like nobody does, you know? That's like not something you think about. And it's so I wish my mother it, was here to hear this stuff. I, I need her to realize <laughs> how special this is for some people. 
she's hanging up on me because she don't want to talk to me anymore. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, woman, I'm calling up Clutch and Angelina and, and Joel right now. I can feel good about this. <laughs> but yeah, like it's just all happened so fast and I'm, I don't regret fast. any of it. It's just, it's perfect. And so thank you so much. That's awesome. And then, you know, another question I have for you, Jax, is because, you know, I think if anyone was to find out they were to get a job with the Miami Heat, you know, that would be such a huge blessing. So another question that Heat Nation wants to ask you is, how did you find out the news that you would be working for the Miami Heat? Uh, that's such a fun story. Uh, mostly because I was begging. <laughs> all at the time. <laughs> so let's go back to the, uh, I guess it would be the spring slash summer of 2004. And for your side of the story as Heat fans, this is just after that improbable run by Dwayne Wade and Udonis Haslam's rookie squad. Uh, and it's amazing when you start dropping these names, right? Karan Butler, now Heat assistant coach, was a second-year player on that team. Um, who else was on that team? Um, Brian Grant, uh, Lamar Odom. Was Eddie Jones on that squad? I'm pretty sure he was on that squad. I believe so, yes. Yeah, Rafer Austin, right? It was Stan Van Gundy's first year as a head coach. Now he's uh, in his you know fourth franchise as a head coach of the New Orleans Pelicans. It's a, it's amazing what happens when you get a, you string together a little longevity. So they had uh, that horrible start to their season, came back absolutely insane. We'll take that, by the way, this year, right? come blazing back in March and April and uh absolutely and it'll be reminiscent of of 0304 but anyway I was out of the game um a couple of years before that I I had uh gotten blown out of ESPN lost my dream job moved from Connecticut uh, tail between my legs back to Ohio my wife was working at our alma mater we had these two small kids and I'm trying to figure out what the hell I'm going to do with my career Calling a couple regional college football games, and I got a phone call before we moved to Ohio um, that something big was going to happen. It was early July, so you guys might might your mind might start percolating now. And it was early July, and a buddy of mine, uh, Ed Philomia, who is the uh, senior director of our internal broadcast unit, um, at the time was a part of the search for a new member of the broadcast team because the Dwayne his, his stardom the team knew that it, it was a there was a launching pad that just it had been ignited and um, there were rumblings within the organization that something big was coming as well and when I mean something big was coming it came in a big old diesel truck didn't it Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> they traded for Shaquille and what turned into me telling Ed at a certain point oh Ed you know I'm waiting to get back to network television and I've already been to Miami and blah 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 arrogant stupid young person stuff uh, <laughs> man when I heard the news they traded for Shaquille I grabbed a phone quicker than you could even say phone <laughs> and uh, was like what do I have to do to get this job and so honestly it took another two months before I was offered the job, I officially signed my contract on October 1st 
<laughs> from from first being engaged in discussions in July, and uh, promptly got my ass to Miami, and then we had played our first preseason game that year in Houston against the Yao Ming and uh, Steve Francis led Houston Rockets. Man, am I dating myself now? Uh, but yeah, that's that's. I got a phone call. I think I was in my home in the basement in Ohio. And um, I don't mind telling you all it saved our lives. Mm-hmm. We weren't really sure how to recover from, you know, being on network television, make more money than we ever thought we'd need at that age uh, to a single income household with two young children back in the town where we went to college. That's not what we envisioned for ourselves as a family. And so, thank goodness, my wife held it down for a little while. And then uh, we came down here and let's just be honest, they had not budgeted for the role. (laughs) So I was not coming down here to get rich, but I definitely came down to get back on a microphone. And 17 years later, uh, this team gave me my career back and allowed me to uh, uplift care and protect for my family in the way that I intended. You know, the fact that you bring it up, because I had this um, plan to ask you later on, but so this might come out dumb after hearing that, but did you ever think that everyone here in South Florida would love you as the um, <laughs> host you are right now? Well, first of all, I, I appreciate that you think that that's the case. Uh, there are plenty of people who I don't, you know, I'm just not their cup of tea and that's fine. I learned a long time ago that some people like fish and some people like steak. I try really hard to be surf and turf, but you can't please everybody. And the folks who um, are good enough to to hop on Twitter and let me know that I'm not their cup of tea, bless their hearts. But for the (laughs) most part, my uh, entire experience has just been a two-way street of adoration. Uh, I have learned to love the Heat fan in a way that is unconditional. Uh, The Heat fan uh, is on their own time schedule. The Heat fan has no problem calling out the Heat as though (laughs) they are in the opposition. (laughs) But man, when things are going well and that building is rocking, this town is rocking, there's nothing quite like it. And so I'm energized by it. And I know full well what I'm dealing with. And so I'm, I'm, I'm connected and understand and appreciate. And so I'm hopeful that that's something that maintains. It was not my plan. No, Joel, it was my plan was come down and, and do this job competently. And um, I didn't even know how long we'd be here. Mm-hmm. And now I don't want to be anywhere else. Right. You know, because I think, you know, because hearing your story right now, like, it's very inspiring for anyone because, you know, as you mentioned, you know, losing your job with ESPN, you know, like for a lot of people, you know, I think a lot of people would take that in a different way. But for you to keep on fighting to eventually get the spot where you are now, like, I think that's such a huge story for everyone to learn from. So because Listen, of- it's all soul crushing. It was it was definitely that. Mm-hmm. But you, you either can succumb to it or you can overcome it. Right. There's really no in between. The in between is is that you leave the profession. Mm-hmm. And I know full well this is what I was intended to do. I was not made to do anything else but this. 
And it was, like I told you all earlier, a blessing that it was presented to me as a reality um, in the middle to late 80s and uh, that I was able to find a path in the early 90s to learn more about this business and get my first on-air opportunity in the mid-90s at Channel 7. Quick run there. I was only at Channel 7 here in Miami for about 18 months before I got the job at ESPN, and I was there for seven years, and I learned so much and grew so much as as a practitioner, you know, in, in this industry. And so when I got here, man, I was ready. I was ready to really, really spread my wings and, and editorially contribute and be creative, uh, get out on the edge, not take myself so seriously, uh, and really uh, embed myself with this team and this fan base. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, as years have progressed, obviously things have changed, not only for the Heat, but, you know, worldwide as well. So I wanted to know, because I know this must have been something interesting for you guys to go through being at the arena when all the news was coming out. Um, How did you feel when the news came out that the NBA was going to get shut down because of COVID. Because I know we, um he, the Heat were playing Charlotte that night, and then that's when the news came from Oklahoma and um the Jazz. So I wanted to ask you, like, how, like, what was your reaction to the whole thing? Well, first of all, we had been privy, you know, to the intensity uh, of the virus and the story of it when we were out west prior to the shutdown, prior to All-Star break, we were on a long road trip. And there was a lot more intensity and focus and discussion in California, um, primarily due to proximity and also because of the Asian population in so many Asian countries, primarily uh, Japan and and China, were dealing with this already at a very high level. Mm-hmm. And so my heightened awareness of what this was versus the nonchalant, almost non-existent way we were dealing with it as a nation, as, as a, a federal, state, and, and municipal governments, initially, um, I knew was going to change abruptly. I just didn't know when. Right. And that night, I was monitoring in my reporter role uh, everything that was happening in Oklahoma City um, with Utah and um, I'm sorry, in Salt Lake City with Utah and the Thunder. And my gut was the second we knew NBA players had contracted the virus that it was it was going to be a problem. And, and I think the league did things correct. Man, shut it down, figure out what's going to be safe, and, and then try to push forward. And that took time. You know, that, that, that took three and a half, four months just to get that squared away. And thank goodness for great partnerships with Disney and the Players Association and the league coming together in ways that required trust and tempo. And oftentimes those two things don't go together. Sometimes people need some time to maturate and work through and think through some things. But um, there was a lot of trust and a lot of smart people and a lot of informed decisions, and that experience in Orlando was remarkable. It was remarkable, obviously, for L.A. and Miami, and then, um, then, then ultimately L.A., uh, but 
What an amazing night that I'll never forget. Um, watching the news hit my phone that the season was suspended for the time being. Right. And then another thing, you know, I want to bring up because 2020, I mean, that was a crazy year, you know, especially in basketball because a few months after, you know, we hear about stories about police brutality and everything. And the reason mm -hmm. why I bring that up is because I don't think there's a person with the heat who's really spoke out about the social injustices that's been happening in our country, you know, more than you, um, Mr. Jackson. So I wanted, if you could just touch on it a little bit on, you know, everything that's been happening and how you personally feel about where our country is headed. Um, I'll say this. I have, first of all, that's kind of you to pick up on the things that I've mentioned. I'm usually um, just in position to say something thoughtful and or poignant in transitioning between the great leadership of our organization that the Arison family committed to striking down injustice and inequality, um, that the leadership that Pat Riley gives us, as well as uh, the management and, and stewardship um, on and off the floor from our head coach, Eric Spolstra, radiated through the entire organization that give us freedom to speak on these things, to, to educate through our platform uh, with these things. And um, what, a, what a beautiful thing to have to be a part of, to be able to be a part of. And so I, um, I'm just, again, um, thankful that I'm there to convey you to Bam's perspective, to Jimmy's thoughts, to Gorin's dismay in understanding in a foreign land what's going on when he comes from a war-torn war part of the world um, where ethnicity is, is an issue in, in a unique and very, very different way. Um, and so um, I, I take no credit. I'm, I'm a part of an a, a awesome mindset that says, listen, we're not going to condemn all law enforcement, but we will call to task anyone, including law enforcement, if that's what's needed for black folks to stop dying at a disproportionate rate in an engagement with an officer. Mm -hmm. To hold our communities responsible for behavior that even calls that stuff into question to bring together communities, black and brown folks with law enforcement so that we can get back to police connection, community policing, a connection. So we know the officers that are driving around our communities and the officers know the citizens they're protecting and serving. Right. Making sure that we're training and hiring individuals who move into law enforcement that aren't already tied to nefarious organizations or ideologies. Speaking fully and wholeheartedly, and I don't mean to interrupt you, but just the last thought of, of just how important it is to vote all of the time. We've got these local elections that are coming up this spring. Vote in them. Hold people accountable for leadership in your town. Don't become disconnected with the people that 
take care of your sidewalks and potholes and spill areas and your garbage and your water safety. Like that's, those are everyday things that are not to be forgotten. So I know we all get enamored with gubernatorial elections and presidential elections and maybe high-end congressional stuff, but listen, the mayors and the commissioners and the controllers and the comptrollers and uh, the county clerks and all this stuff that goes in, the tax assessors uh, that get voted uh, circuit court judges. We all need to be engaged. We all need to learn. We need to take the time and know who the hell we're putting in position uh, to lead our lives. Exactly. And, you know, another thing I want to talk about for that is, you know, I remember when the playoffs were starting and, you know, I was curious to see what the theme would be for Miami this year. And at first, you know, a part of me thought, oh, maybe they might bring back the vintage white hot heat theme, you know, and then the news came out that you guys came out with something more unique. And I fell in love with this concept was when you guys came out with the United in Black theme. You know, how did you feel personally when Miami announced that they were going to move forward with that theme heading into the playoffs? Well, first of all, I thought that it was just dead on, right? Mm-hmm. Like we, we have these this multitude of uniforms to choose from, right? <laughs> and we, <laughs> I mean, we, we have done some things over the last couple of years to stack up the uh, the options. Um, but in a time where you're focused on um, the ideal of black lives and how they matter, um, that you have a league and a team that is overwhelmingly, not just predominantly, overwhelmingly black American, African American, um, that it was so wonderful for the organization to wrap their arms around the concept that we are fully aware that everyone matters, fully aware that we have a very unique and diverse fan base, but we are going to talk about this evil, uh, this stain, this crime that has happened to black folks since they were stolen, kidnapped, ripped away from Africa to work for free in the Americas. And we've never had a reckoning about that. And we're trying to do it now and I hope we don't lose any momentum. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but when you have a wrong that has never been righted, uh, there, there's no way to be right. And so the fact that the organization would, would be front-facing with what it is supporting and pushing forward throughout a run to the NBA Finals is pretty pretty amazing. Right, because you know, I know for a lot of players, you know, they would go out and mention how, you know, if we did continue to play basketball, oh, we would just be, you know, distracting people from the real issues. And, you know, that's what I loved about the um, United in Black statement, because it showed, okay, yeah, we're going to play basketball. You know, we're going to fight for a championship. But at the same time, we're going to continue to tell you guys what's going on in this world at the same time, that we're not going to shy away from it. And the fact, like you mentioned, not only did you guys carry on that statement, but managed to bring it all the way to the finals, you know, like that was amazing. And I think you could not have carried out that statement better in any way possible. So with that being said, you know, you know, so big shout outs to you guys for helping carry out the word, the word that 
what we're seeing in this world is not okay. You know, big shout out to you guys for that. Well, it's really nice. Absolutely. Right. No, it's. I'm glad you feel that way. Um, if you didn't, we still would have done it anyway, because <laughs> it's just the right thing and the right tone. And um, again, not every organization has the um, the guts to stand for what is right. I'm glad I work for one of them that does. Mm-hmm. And then also, you know, because I feel like we should just go hit, hit a few more questions. Clutch, Angelina, do you guys have anything you'd like to ask? Jax, I want to get away a little bit, and I would be remiss not asking you this question. I would not forgive myself, especially considering what's going to happen this weekend. Who do you have in the Super Bowl? Oh, that's so funny. Um, as I told you guys a little bit earlier, I am a Cleveland Browns fan, so I, I'm so ecstatic that we returned to the postseason, got ourselves a win, and tried to fight for a spot to uh, to to play in that game and. Uh, Obviously, uh, Kansas City's special. <laughs> so um, I tend to root um, for the team from my conference, and so that's not going to change. Uh, mostly because if uh, Kansas City prevails as back-to-back Super Bowl champions, um, I can say that my Browns lost to the eventual champion, and that loss feels better. <laughs> <laughs> right. I have a question for you, Jason. Yes, what do you think about the current Heat roster, and do you think the team will turn around their record this season? Well, listen, I'm fortunate enough, as Spo mentioned last night, to be here for one of the amazing turnarounds. Um, man, uh, you remember that team that was, what was it, 13 and 30? 11 and 30, yup. Was it 11 and 30? Good yep. Lord. <laughs> yeah, we- and, and we flipped it, and we missed the playoffs, but by one. And um, that was a remarkable experience, Angelina. That was a a once-in-a-lifetime experience for me. But a lot of people in the organization were around when Dwayne's rookie, Dwayne and Udonis' rookie team did the same thing. So I'm willing. There's too much left on this schedule for me to say they can't. It's just a hell of a hole to dig out of, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. And... I've seen people bash them all the time, like, oh, Miami Heat this, Miami Heat that. Oh, they're not the same team they were last season, but we're no one is. 21 games into the season. We have 72 games this season, so we have plenty of time to come back from where we are now. I yeah, think. I mean, the Heat need to be careful, right? Like, tomorrow, starting tomorrow, it would be nice if they just kind of went on a run here uh, with these last three games before they hit this extensive road trip. You know, they got Washington at home tomorrow. Uh, as the matinee before the Super Bowl, a, a trip to Madison Square Garden, back here against those same Knicks on Tuesday, and then they're gone for basically the rest of the month. Mm-hmm. Houston, Utah, L.A. Clippers, Golden State, Sacramento, L.A. Lakers, Oklahoma City. That's a trip, y'all. So you can't go into that trip piling up too many more L's and then go on that trip and let the road be the road, which can be challenging. Right. They need to seize this opportunity in front of them, close out this second half strong, and start to uh, get back to the middle of the of the pack. And a, lot, and a lot of what has to do with how we're doing now is that the health and safety, all the injuries. We didn't have Butler for ten games in a row. We didn't have Hero for seven, I believe. 
but yeah, we just got to get back into that groove and just that flow. Eventually, yeah, it's amazing we'll our- we had to play through a lot of that. I mean, you had Philly and Washington and and Boston, you know, not playing those games when their best players weren't around. We were we were fighting and trying to get through it, and it was hard. I mean, we lost eight of those ten games when Jimmy wasn't around, and even now. The positive coming out of those, although we lost eight of those ten, the positive part about it is that we were so close to winning all eight of those games. Like, our first game against Brooklyn, we all for sure thought we were going to get blown out by a lot because, you know, they have Durant, they have Irving, they have Harden now. But we only lost the first game, I think, by, like, three or four, I believe, but that from what everyone was saying, like, oh, they're going to get blown out, whatever. But we just showed them, like, hey, we're not going to listen to what other people have to think about us. No, this we're team's going to fight. We- yeah, Absolutely. this team's, team's always going to fight, Angelina. That's the thing that I, th- I love each night. Um, there's definitely got to be a concerted effort to not make so many mistakes late, not to have lulls like we had uh, on Wednesday night. There was that rip in, in the, the middle to latter portion of the third quarter where the team missed 11 straight shots. Like it's just, it's eventually going to get away from you with those numbers. And so um, there's nothing that writes you. There's nothing that, that, that's, that steals you and solidifies your belief in your way that you do things with some adjustments uh, like, like this type of adversity. So I'm looking forward to the other side of the coin. Yeah, and I remember I was hearing, um, I was just scrolling through Twitter, seeing what people had to say. And it's funny, one person said that the reason why Miami is struggling right now is because they want to shock the world again later on. So <laughs> we'll we'll see what happens, you know. I'm happy if that's the scenario. <laughs> <laughs> right, as Coach Spo says, he always says this, we, we've got enough. So <laughs> it's just... I, I like I like it when he says that. Uh, I think we're we as fans are blessed to have to be fans of a of a team with great leadership from top to bottom, with Pat Riley, Eric Spolstra, down to Jimmy Butler and Udonis Haslam. I think this is the kind of team that knows how to fight through adversity, and I, that's why I'm so calm and thinking we'll be fine. Listen, I uh, absolutely believe Clutch that that there's going to be a push and we're going to find ourselves in the second season. And that's what matters. And, and in this year where maybe you got to fight in, you know, if you're playing around in that, you know, seven through 10 spot. Uh, but we have shown, and this group just proved to us, you let us in the tournament, you better watch out. So I'm looking forward to that. I, I apologize gang, but I've reached the time in the day where I've got to get to some other things, mm-hmm. but uh, really appreciate this invitation and hope that you'll have me back sometime soon. Thank you so much, Mr. Jason right. Jackson. And before we close it out, I want to do this again because I know I screwed up earlier with this. So we want to thank the 23-time Emmy Award winner. The person My man. that you can catch at Fox Sports Sun as the Miami Heat's TV host and courtside reporter. He might not play for them, but he is indeed a Miami Heat legend. Thank you to the one and only Mr. Jason Jackson. Thank you, man. Guys, this was awesome. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. So Appreciate it, Jack. 
So thank you all for tuning in to this episode of the Heat vs. the World podcast, and we'll see you again very soon. Thank you for listening to the Heat vs. the World podcast, and we'll see you next time with a brand new episode.